do we exist? Were we created with a purpose or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. Join us as we seek to see a generation captivated and transformed by the truth of Christianity. This is The Universe Next Door. probably notice this is going to be a shorter episode. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm just adding a little bit, first of all, uh, to the episode I did on infant damnation and the idea of original guilt. Uh, and so I'm going to add to that. But I also, because I've taught this not only here, but also in person, I want to talk about some of the common responses, uh, pushback points that I here that I don't think are sufficient and that I don't think hold up. So I wanted to go over a few of those here. Um, So like I said, this isn't going to be a full episode. It's going to be quick. And if you haven't listened to the episode, I linked it in the description. And I'll also link the other episode I did um, on original sin and on the idea that the Catholic Church holds, the Roman Catholic Church, uh, that Mary is sinless and why they hold that view. We'll touch on that a little bit here today too. but I'll link both of those in the description, so check those out. Make sure you check out the recent one, though, on child damnation if you haven't. Uh, of course, I don't hold that view. I think it's I think it's an awful view. Um, and I, I made the point that obviously not, not all Roman Catholics and Calvinists hold the view of child damnation. Or in other words, when an infant or a child passes away, uh, they would go to hell or they would go to limbo, as we discussed. You'll see if you, you check out the episode um, I'm not claiming that all Catholics or Calvinists hold that view. And in fact, I know many who don't, thankfully. What I am claiming is those of you who are Calvinist or Roman Catholic and you don't hold that view, you're being inconsistent with your theology and you're contradicting your theology. So I'm not saying you hold that view. I'm saying when you don't hold that view, you're contradicting yourself. And when I say contradicting yourself, I mean it in a technical way. I don't mean it as an insult. Um, I mean it in the way that original guilt can't both be guilt for everybody and not guilt for everybody at the same time. It's like the have your cake and eat it too kind of thing. It can't, it has to be one or the other. Either everyone is guilty of Adam's sin and original guilt, or everyone's not guilty of, of Adam's sin and original guilt, but God uh, does not judge unjustly. And so we're going to get into a few, uh, a few main points that I usually hear heard and that have been brought up in in sort of popular debates and some inconsistencies, I think, in addition to the negative effects of the view of original guilt. Uh, And again, that's the idea that because of Adam's sin, his sin has been imputed to all of us through guilt. So it's not just that his sin has affected everybody and everything in many ways, Uh, It's that we're actually guilty of his sin and are judged for it. That's the view of original sin or original guilt. That's the view the Roman Catholic Church holds, which is why they baptize infants. And that's the view that the um, Calvinist community would hold, uh, which is explained through total depravity. So number one, I don't think this needs to be clarified if you go back and listen to the episode, but I will clarify it just for the sake of clarifying it. Uh, And and that is in Romans 5.12, the point of bringing up the defective manuscript that Augustine relied on, um, go back and check that out again if you haven't, you'll see what I mean. But the point of bringing that up, uh, the, the defective manuscript he relied on for Romans 5.12, uh, and that the church went in the direction of, is the phrase, in whom all sinned. 
So in other words, through one man, sin entered the world, uh, and then that uh, led to death and death spread to all men because all sinned. The main point of bringing up that passage is that specific phrase that the Latin Vulgate got wrong and that therefore Augustine got wrong, which was in whom all sinned. In other words, in Adam all sinned. That's the big disagreement with that passage. So the big disagreement is that in Adam all sinned, or in other words, in Adam, in whom all sinned, uh, all are guilty of Adam's sin because in him they sinned. And there are a few different ways this has been understood, whether it's in a, a metaphorical or a spiritual way, whether as Augustine held actually, a physical way that, um, that they didn't understand biology back then, if you haven't noticed, but they, they thought the process in which human beings were made um, in, in the way sin was passed down was, was pretty much just through the mail. And we'll get to that too in a moment. But that's the main point of, uh, of me bringing that, that verse up from Romans 5.12 and in the way Augustine understood it was the in whom all sinned in contrast to because all sinned. So regardless of your view on that passage, the point is the in whom. It says in Adam all sinned and that's a faulty, um, that is a faulty translation, which is why it isn't in any of the translations today. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, though, is somebody has brought this point up to me, um, and it's if babies aren't guilty of sin, then why are they able to die? If uh, that's, that's, you know, the punishment of sin is death, death comes into the world. Well, you cannot hold the view that babies can only die because they're guilty of sin. And there's one obvious reason. I'll give you like five seconds to figure it out. Did you figure it out? Well, last I checked, Jesus never sinned. And the last I checked, Jesus died. Which was this morning. That's the last time I checked. Jesus had never sinned and Jesus died. Now you could say, well, he became sin. Well, sure. But if he actually sinned, then he isn't God and that he isn't sufficient to pay for our sin. There's a difference between him becoming sin and all of the sins of the world being put on him. Uh, that's much different than him actually sinning. He never sinned. And if he did, then he couldn't have died. Um, another thing is that in Romans 3, it says, uh, somebody brought this up to me recently too. It says all have sinned. And so that includes children. It do, there's no differentiation given. It says, Romans 3 says all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Really? Well, does it include Christ since there's no differentiation given? Are there parentheses that say all have sinned except for Christ? No, because it's talking about all who are applicable. Okay, of course, we. I'm, I don't disagree that every human being uh, who's capable of sin has sinned. That's not, that's not the point. Every, and whether you're a Calvinist, Protestant, whatever, everybody should agree on that point, that everybody is a sinner in need, in need of a savior. But the point is that children aren't capable of sinning. They're not capable of morally doing wrong. We see that concept a number of times, specifically in the Old Testament, that they don't know good from evil. They don't understand good from evil. And so, and so therefore, they're not capable of sin and cannot be judged as though they are capable of sin. And you may partially agree on that point, but remember... Uh, that the Calvinist and the Roman Catholic both make a differentiation between original sin and personal sin. They might agree and they might say, yeah, well, sure, they can't personally sin, but they're still guilty of original sin. And that's where the inconsistency comes in if you don't believe in infant damnation as a Roman Catholic uh, or as a Calvinist, which, of course, I'm none of those things. Um, 
but that's where the inconsistency comes in. So um, it, it does, in Romans 3, there's no parentheses that say Christ hasn't sinned. And not only that, but to hear the Calvinist of all people suggest that all means all is refreshing for once, because you would agree that all doesn't always mean all. He's making a certain point here. Um, and actually, most likely what Paul's doing when he says all have sinned is he's making the point that all, uh, and the Calvinist would hold this view on other passages, so it wouldn't be inconsistent for you to hold this view. But in Romans 3, that when he says all have sinned, and even in Romans 5, the idea is that he's not only talking about Israel. He's, not, he's talking about those with the law and those without the law. So all have sinned. It doesn't matter if they're Israel. It doesn't matter if they're Canaanite. It doesn't matter that you do fill in the blank. All have sinned. Um, another one, and this is a big one. And this is one that I, uh, well, I'll tell the story in a second. But it's that original sin is bypassed through the virgin birth by the seed coming from the Holy Spirit, which is why Jesus isn't born with original sin. Because here's my view, just, just to back up for a second before we break this one down. My view is that I'm not born with original guilt, and therefore there's no special process that needs to be had in order for Jesus to be born without original guilt. So we all agree that he's not born with original guilt. Uh, we, all, we all agree he's not born guilty of, an orig- of, of the original sin of Adam. If he was, he would be insufficient to save us. And he wouldn't be qualified to save us. So everybody has to agree on that. But I don't have to make any special exception. I think that Jesus was born like every other human is born, and every other human doesn't have uh, original guilt, the original guilt of Adam. So what happens now is people have to try to explain how if I have this view that all humanity is born with original guilt and Jesus is truly human, well, now I have to find a way around saying because Jesus is truly human like us, he's born with original guilt because that's not an option if he's going to be sufficient to save us. So what happens is people go through all these hoops to try to suggest that, uh, well, in the case of Christ, the original sin is bypassed through the virgin birth because the seed comes from the Holy Spirit and not from man. Uh, And so as a result of the virgin birth, Jesus is born without original sin. Well, where do you think the inconsistency in that is? The inconsistency is that you now have to prove that women, either A, women aren't sinful, or B, that we still have a terrible understanding of biology like they did 2,000 years ago, and we think that uh, all these things, including sin, are only passed down through the man. Can you find a passage anywhere in Scripture to show me that sin is only passed down through the Father? Ironically, Ezekiel 18 actually says that we are not punished for the sins of our father. So that's the closest you're going to get. But if you're going to say, if you're going to have this view, you, you can't just knock out all the difficult things and pretend they don't exist. You have to be able to explain how Jesus wasn't born with original sin unless he was only half human. And even then he would be half sinful. He's truly human. He has been tempted and tested in every way we have. Uh, he's suffered in every way we have. That's why we can relate to him in the way that we do. Um, he, he became truly human. He didn't put on a human costume. He's truly human. So you have to be able to explain how he didn't inherit original guilt. In fact, just the other day, I was debating on the internet uh, with a guy who was suggesting that this is the point of the virgin birth. He said, well, that's the whole point. The whole point of the virgin birth is so Jesus isn't born with original sin. Really? I was under the impression that the point of the virgin birth is that Jesus was God. Hello? Uh, But anyway, the story I was going to tell you is that I remember a couple years back, this was probably, oh my gosh, maybe 
two or three years ago, when I used to hold the view of the federal headship of Adam, I, I was all in on original guilt and original sin. Um, and I remember at a Bible study, there was a newer believer, and she was asking questions about this concept because we were doing a study through Romans. And we were talking about how uh, Jesus isn't born with sin because the seed came from God and not from uh, and not from Joseph. And so he was not born with original sin. And she started kind of genuinely questioning this. She was like, well, I don't get it. How How is that? And I said, well, the seed didn't come from, the seed didn't come from man, the seed, the seed came from God. And so Jesus kind of bypassed original sin. And she was like, so I don't get it. Like, are you saying that there's no egg involved? Like it's just a sperm and there's no egg. Uh, Are you saying that women aren't sinful? Like, do I not need Christ because I'm not sinful? And it was like, that was the first time I think I thought about it in theory, but that was the first time I really didn't have a good answer. And I was like, you know, I'd have to think about that. I'll have to get back to you. Uh, and I, I probably gave her some answer that I, that I thought or held at the time, but there's no sufficient answer as far as I'm concerned. If you have one, send it in an email to information at apologetics.org. That'll be the first one I've ever seen. Um, but these are questions that have to be answered, especially in regard to the nature of Christ. I think if you're going to if you're gonna have a view that naturally would contradict the nature of Christ, you better have a very good way to defend it. And I've never seen one. Um, so that's another thing you have to deal with. Okay, Christ not being born with original sin. I like the idea that uh, of course, he's God, but in terms of his humanity, he was born like I was, except he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never gave in to temptation. Um, and of course, he also died and, and raised from the dead, but he died. Uh, last one, and, and I kind of mentioned this, there was this idea that all all humans are some t- somehow contained in Adam. And that's another thing is like, it it goes back to that same thing we just talked about. That's not how biology works. Basic biology does not say that a human sperm is, uh, is a human being, is an actual human being. We know life begins when? At conception. It's not just that a sperm is a human being. Uh, You need a sperm and an egg. There's a whole process. And obviously, this is basic biology that we all know, but it's also important in regard to the pro-life position, because when you're going to be arguing these things, we're going to use arguments like that. We're going to talk about why um, it's it's murder once a uh, child is actually conceived, once conception takes place, when well, now you have a human embryo, which is a human being, not a future human being, by the, way, by the way. You're always developing. I'm still developing. If you couldn't tell, my frontal lobe isn't done developing yet, apparently. Uh, but all that to say... When we hold these views, they affect things in different areas. It's never just the one thing. There's always so many things that go into this. It's like, even if you think about your view of Genesis 1 or something like that, it's not just how old do I think the earth is? It's, okay, what's the style that it was written? What's the intention that it was written? What's your view of inspiration? Uh, Do you think that God guided people to write things and and, and used automatic writing and and just used them as a mouthpiece saying things they couldn't understand? Or do you think he used them uh, and carried them along throughout their life like Scripture? Scripture says, uh, and had them like, there's just so many factors that always go into every view. It's never just one thing. And these are factors that I would like people to respond to that. I would like people to have good arguments for, if you're going to hold the view of original guilt, um, or in other words, that guilt is transferred from Adam to us, imputed to us, and we are born with it. Again, I agree that every person is a sinner. I agree that, uh, we are born with an inclination towards sin. We're born into a corrupted world. Um, 
in that it's inevitable that we're going to sin. We've been cut off from the tree of life. Uh, I mean, we could go and list reasons. We could go on and on. I mean, when you look at the um, the first genealogy in the Bible and you see people are living four, five, six, seven hundred uh, plus years, well, I think that sin has had an effect on even genetics. I do think it's it's at least a really good option for why people don't live that long anymore. I think the longer sin has taken its toll, uh, the worse genetics get over time in a lot of ways. I think there are so many factors of what happened when sin was brought into the world, but I don't think that we are responsible for Adam's sin. I think we're responsible for following in Adam's footsteps and we're punished for our own sin. So our Q&A is next week. I wanted to get this in before then. If you have any disagreements, if you have any arguments, don't keep them to yourself. Uh, If you disagree with me, keep listening to the show, of course. But send your question, your argument, your disagreement, whatever it is, send it to information at apologetics.org. I will read it out loud and respond to it next Friday. We're going to release it next Friday, so send it before then. Um, But whatever it is, don't be shy. Don't feel like you have to beat around the bush. Uh, whatever it is, send that in and I'll respond to it. I won't say your name. So people, uh, people won't even know who you are. If it's a terrible argument, you're like, Oh my goodness, I regret that. Nobody will even know except for me, of course, but nobody else will know. So send it into information at apologetics.org. And otherwise I'll see you back here Tuesday night, uh, at 5 PM. And then of course the Q and a that following Friday. So have a blessed weekend. Uh, good to talk to you all and we'll see you next week.